Hi and welcome to the podcast. You're having tea with Alice. Welcome to 2018. I hope you have all had a lovely new year. I did and uh, it's been it's been a really nice beginning of the year although it always feels strange to be here in the UK when at this time of the year it's very hot in Australia. I know that sounds obvious but it is just sort of constantly a shock to have the the short days and the cold the cold days when this is the time of year around my birthday when uh, I eat mangoes and go for swims in that uh, that doldrum part of the year between New Year's and my birthday, which is the time of year when I tend to think about uh, the past and think about the future. Uh, that week is my week of reflection. I tend to make lists of things that I've done, that I wish I had done, that I'd like to do. Not quite New Year's resolutions, but a little bit of an assessment period in the year. Uh, and I I wonder if you've been doing any of that. I've written up a post that'll go up in a few days. I'm letting it percolate just a little bit in response to a request from a Patreon subscriber. I try to, if you are a subscriber to the Patreon, I try to um, take requests if I can, if I have something to say. And this was a uh, subject which I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to speak about it. I wasn't sure if I had an opinion about. And um, I sort of hammered one out, a half-formed set of thoughts at least. That'll be going up in a few days unless I think better of it. I'll, 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 I won't think better of it. I'll, I might adjust it slightly because it's quite a fraught issue. I know that sounds all very mysterious. I don't know if I should spoiler it or not. Anyway, moving on. I wanted to say thank you so much to everyone who has subscribed on the Patreon, given me uh, your support. It's incredibly meaningful, um, both in terms of what it allows me to do, which is more work uh, and and more things, and also in terms of the emotional support that is implicit in that um, financial support. So thank you, everybody who has been subscribing to the Patreon. Uh, if you want to give, that's Alice Fraser, um, patreon.com slash Alice Fraser, F-R-A-S-E-R, is the place to go. Uh, some people give a dollar a month and um, some people give five, whatever, whatever. If you give anything, that's an incredible thing. If you would like to support the podcast in other ways, you can do that by telling friends who you think would like it, tweeting about it, tweeting to my guests, um, or generally uh, giving a good review on iTunes. All of those things are incredibly helpful and also very supportive and I appreciate them very 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 much so uh, I've been thinking a little bit recently about what I'm going to do in the new year with this and also with the bugle um, I've been supporting Andy Zaltzman in his review of the year show at the Soho Theatre which is now running till the end of this week it's been extended until the 12th of January so if you want to come to that that is a, there's a week left to come and uh, that would be lovely. I had a person throw a flamingo at me on stage, which if you listen to the bugle, there's a long-running in-joke there. And I don't know, it was a very nice thing. Not a real flamingo, obviously, a stuffed toy flamingo. If they threw a, f a real flamingo at me, I would be probably less less pleased about the whole situation than I am. Um, other than that, I wanted to say uh, welcome if you are new to the podcast and uh, what the podcast is, which is I, I have a chat with someone over a cup of tea and we talk about interesting or difficult ideas and I enjoy it very, very much. Um, so 
that said, my guest for this week is Chris Skinner, who's the producer of the Bugle podcast and a very interesting guy. We had a really lovely chat about all sorts of things, including uh, the inheritance of traits, your responsibilities in society and whether you should talk to people you disagree with, move into the negative spaces and uh, how it is possible to have a discussion um, online or if it even is in these days, whether you are interested in the news or not, whether the news is a useful thing or a fictional narrative or both. And uh, we had that cup of tea in the Yamcha in Soho, which is a lovely little tea shop. I feel like I can should mention their name because they are sponsoring me in kind, which is to say letting me do my podcast in their lovely tea shop without ever kicking me out. So uh, without further ado, I will let you get on with listening to the podcast and uh, have a happy new year. Email me if you'd like to have a chat, alicerfraser at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter at alliterative, A-L-I-T-E-R-A-T-I-V-E. I will be touring in uh, Adelaide, Melbourne, Sydney, Perth and then back in London this year. Uh, so come to one of those if you're in one of those places. Uh, I, hope, I look forward to seeing you and uh, again, I hope this year is really wonderful for you, better than last year. As we move forward in time, I hope things happen as you want them to or you can make them happen or other things happen that are even better. I'll stop rambling and let you get on with listening. You're having tea with Alice. So who are you and what are you drinking? Uh, I'm Chris Skinner and I'm drinking an Assam tea. I wanted a black tea. Yes. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm essentially a black tea drinker at heart, an English breakfast tea drinker. Um, uh, but the venue that we're in right now, um, you, it's, I, you, you just, I feel like such a philistine just going and asking for like English breakfast tea when they've got like 14 teas on offer. They've got like a hundred teas yeah. on offer. But, this yeah, is... so, so I, I went for an Assam, which is like close enough to an English breakfast tea, but, but not. Yes, fancy enough that you don't feel like you're letting down the side by ordering it. Yeah, yeah, but it's good. It's good. Yeah. I just uh, just had a roasted oolong before you came, so okay. I'm I'm amped on that. When you say roasted, is that like a smoky, like like um, like, um, yeah. like the lapsang or not yeah, quite. similar, similar. Yeah. So a, a roasted like oolong's already quite a smoky mm. flavour, but it's quite mild, and the roasted adds some depth and warmth to it, which on a day like this is what you want yeah it hasn't got light yet today no it's no it's, pretty... it, it's been great in that i slept in and i woke up and i thought it was early and <laughs> it was not no. i mean that is the one thing about being in the uk there's more people there's more comedy there's more opportunities mm. but there are no mangoes no i mean i i this winter is the first ever winter that i'm actually doing vitamin d tablets they help so much. Yeah, I just, I just felt I was, I was really. It got to about mid-December, and bear in mind that's still old, effectively technically. I think it's still autumn, and I was, I, I, I'm just really struggling with this, and um, I'm quite a happy-go-lucky person, but I, I'm, 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 um, I'm assisted by fizzy vitamin D tablets at the moment to get me through it I mean I've been on them for a while because of my family history mum had MS so uh, vitamin D is apparently or a a lack of vitamin D is correlated with MS so people either can't absorb it Mm. or they don't process it in the normal way when they have MS 
but they think that it might have some preventative right, element. Yeah, yeah. So I've, I've been high dosing on vitamin D for a while. It's, it's three um, quid in boots, well spent. Yeah, you know. it really it really makes a difference, I think, uh, if you can't actually get proper sunshine in your face. Um, <laughs> but I have, I've been, um, I've been, uh, yesterday was my birthday, so. Yes, happy birthday. Thank you. Many happy returns. What did you do? Uh, I went and had Chinese food at Good. a place with my brother and a bunch of his friends. There was a big table, big round table with a Lazy Susan oh. on it. Do you call them Lazy Susans yeah, here? Yeah. Uh, it's probably a racist term if you think about it too hard. It's one of those things uh, okay. where you're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know where it comes or from. Or sexist, given, you know, what did Susan do to get that title? Yeah, poor, poor Susan. Or maybe she was the inventor. Maybe she yeah. called it the Lazy Susan because she was sick of carrying dishes around. Yeah. Uh, and she yeah, okay. That sounds quite plausible, actually. I'm just going to make that up as the explanation yeah. that suits me. Congratulations, Susan. Well done, Susan, yeah. for yeah. inventing an excellent a way of bringing food around a round table. <laughs> and then we walked for like an hour and a half in the park and chatted and had Aww. twin time. It was really nice. Yeah. And then I watched the new Jackie Chan movie, or the not-so-new Jackie Chan movie. Okay. that um, The foreign. I wasn't expecting you to say that, actually. I don't see you as a Jackie Chan fan. I'm a massive action movie fan, Hong Kong action movies. So have you seen Shaolin Temple? Have you seen Who Am that? I? No, I haven't. Okay, so it, it's 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 um, uh, a Jackie Chan movie. Um, I think set in South Africa. Obviously, he's like you know I don't know he's like some Navy SEAL of some sorts, and he gets concussion in a crash. And people think his name is Who Am I? Because the first thing he's like, you know, people come up to him and they're like, you know, who are you? And he's like, who am I? They go, that must be his name. Oh, amazing. Cue an hour and a half of hijinks, high action, you know, big chops and kicks and him slowly recovering his memory. That sounds amazing. I should definitely watch that. I mean, the problem with Jackie Chan is, or, you know, that you, a lot of the more recent movies that he's done have been very miss. In yes. terms of hit or miss, like he he sort of did a a run of movies that were very cartoonish mm. and bold, and I think this new one is him trying to act. Like it's really okay, yeah. it's a really it's like a thriller more than it is an action movie. Though there's some great action sequences, it's much less action than you would expect, but the action is good, and it's got Pierce Brosnan as a Northern Irishman, and a remarkably good for a blockbuster movie, remarkably good. Sort of uh, presentation of the of Northern Irish politics, okay, and Sinn Fein and all of that. Like it's genuinely yeah, yeah. quite quite interesting and quite subtle as a as an exploration of that. So uh, yeah, I enjoyed it very much, and you know, Jackie Chan did his stuff as well. Well, I look forward to my. I I, I have certain films that and TV shows that I only watch my own. Yeah. So that that's that's on the list. Put it in there, yeah. yeah. You know, some, some, like, my wife doesn't want to watch The Punisher, and I understand that. I respect that. I don't want to make her enjoy something that she's not going to enjoy. I do. But, <laughs> <laughs> but we, I, I did make her sit through, um, I quite like the Marvel stuff, and um, I made her sit through Iron Fist. Oh, I haven't is, seen Iron uh, it's, Fist. It's, it's, um, it's the worst thing I've ever seen. Wow. And we watched all ten, and every, we get to the end of every one, and she'd be like, this is shit, and I'd be like, you're, you're right. But, but, you know... The, the, it's going to get good because you know that's what happens right and it got to the end and I was just, I was just like I'm so sorry <laughs> I'm really sorry <laughs> I watched the first episode of uh, the one with Will Smith 
and an orc yes. on the beat. Yes. Which looks terrible and is terrible. But oh, okay. Fun. Oh, I'm pleased it's terrible. It's fun. Because it looked terrible. <laughs> There's some actually really good kind of buddy cop moments between okay. him and the orc. Yeah. And other than that, it's irredeemably bad. Right. Do they explain it away or is it it's just one of those things that the guy's an orc? Well, not the, the, that Will Smith's a cop. It's a parallel universe, clearly, where right. orcs and elves and all sorts fairies have... Oh, okay. So there are. I wondered if it was just that, that he was an orc, but there were no other no, no. fantasy creatures in it. It just no. happens to be like... No, there's, there's, it's all sort of racial and tribal and okay. gang-based. Right. Uh, and the elves are basically millennial rich people. Of course. And uh, I've seen Lord of the Rings. Yes. <laughs> so they're the, they're the white privileged class, yes. as it were. So, yeah, it is, it's fun to watch, but I wouldn't watch it if you wanted to watch something good. <laughs> if you know what I mean. And that review is going up on all the buses right now. <laughs> well, what have you been uh, wrestling with recently, other um, than indulging yourself with uh, things? I... Like, this is... This is this is way too... Uh, this is as much about my daughter as it is about me. Okay. She's three and a half. I'm, so becoming a little person. Oh, massively so. Uh, and it it bothers me. It really bothers me that she might be a little bit like me. Surely um, that is what always... I mean, surely that's the... Like my granny always used to say, it is good that they look like the father because you always know who the mother is. <laughs> well, the, okay, so I'm, the, the, the worst thing is I, I, don't, I don't hate myself. It's not like, oh no, she's going to become like me because I am uh, sick and a bad person. It's more like... Um, she she mirrors like I see her. I, I'm starting to understand a little bit about myself. I see I see her. I see how she acts when she's tired or grumpy, or even sometimes when she's like really happy. And I see, oh my god, I act like that. And then it makes me like a little bit worried. That, so I I can be quite annoying sometimes. Like the closer you get to me, the more I annoy you. Is generally the rule that I have with most of my friends. I think most of my friends. I think they. You know, clearly, I, the fact that I call them friends—maybe <laughs> they don't call me friends—but um, like, I, I, I think I, it, liking me comes with the acceptance that I'm a bit of a twat. Okay. And what I brand of twat? I, uh, I, um, I have, I have quite a lot of self-confidence in certain areas. So I'm not, I'm not universally self-confident. But if I genuinely think I, like, if, if we're here and I think I'm better than you at something, I would definitely tell you that. Okay. And, like, so we, and that's that apparently, like, I'm just, I, I, guess, I guess it's not taken that moment to think that maybe you might not like hearing that. Okay. And that's, um, and so I'm not saying that that specific element of her personality is, is what, I just, I just, I guess it's natural for any parent to see them and worry, particularly like, like you know, I am, so I'm, whilst I'm not universally self sometimes I can be a little bit introspective and a little bit, um, particularly in my 20s, very, very sort of insecure and unsure generally about the world. And she can be a little bit introspective. I see, I see a three and a half year old on a, having a quiet day and it all of a sudden makes me think, how's she going to cope in this world? Like, like you know, is she going to struggle like me? And like through my twenty, I know. Whilst I sort of, I sort of, I sort of, I, I blossomed and I sort of got more confident later on. Is is that, is that going to happen to her? And why couldn't have I had a, a child who was a bit more like my wife? And and like because you know, we, me and her both joked it'd be nice if our child had like sort of my sort of self confidence in 
unfamiliar situations and but my wife's calm less manic nature that was that was the child we sort of jokingly thought we'd have and instead I think we've got like someone who's a little bit wild but also prone to introspection and hopefully confident but I'm not convinced and it's like but she's three and a half yeah why am I thinking this like you know I think that's the job of parents I was talking to my brother yesterday and he was saying oh you know what, what do you want for your birthday kind of thing uh, and he was saying I wish I were 10 years younger but with the knowledge that I have now yeah and we can never have that that's a superpower that. yeah. that, is, that, is, that is literally that is you, you are like on top of everybody else when you have that skill yeah but you can't have that what you can have is seeing in your child the things that made you unhappy and trying to give them the coping mechanisms so that they are made less unhappy by those traits true like, that, that is true, yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing. I think that's the like the element that you have to work on mm. is confidence is, I don't think, necessarily innate. You can build that up for her. That's mm. something you can give to her. And coping strategies for when you're manic, what works for mm. you, get her into athletics early. Well, that's, that's what works for me. Yeah, exactly. A Thai person is not a manic. Well, actually, that's not necessarily true. But you're less likely to be running around wild if you've run 10 miles that day. Yeah, run around the house. Run around yeah. the house again. Yeah. That tucker yeah. them out. You know, the, the, the nudge unit and its, you know, its Fitbits, they are they're change, changing the world. We're all maybe walking further and becoming less manic as a result of it. I mean, I, I hope so. I mean, I don't know. I will, it'll be interesting to see the new generation. So one of the people who came to our birthday yesterday was my brother's old English teacher. And I was asking him if the new generation of kids coming through were very different from our generation mm. going through high school and i think his his classroom is very traditional so no phones no so he i don't think he sees as much of the difference but he did say that they're much more open about their identity in that way that is both good and bad because at that age you don't actually have an identity um, and no. you shouldn't be confident in it. No. But equally, it's nice that they don't feel insecure if they're gay or strange. Yeah, interesting. I mean, that was a real... That was definitely um, very much a thing when, you know... So I'm, I'm, I'm 38. And I, I guess it probably slightly what perspective I went to. I went to a, a Catholic boys' senior school and a Catholic mixed junior school. And... Um, and like, like whilst obviously there were some good things about it, roles were like really specific already then. Like, like identity roles, everything were you know like if you weren't sporty, if you weren't sporty, it's fine because you can play music. And that was that that, that was about as far reaching as it got. And I felt sorry for the couple of kids who didn't like sport or music. <laughs> you know what about that poor kid who couldn't play football or the trombone? Like, what did he? What, what did he feel about himself? I don't, yeah. I, I, to be honest, then I probably didn't give a shit. But now, now. <laughs> yeah, well, for someone who's sort of uh, in Australian culture, the music bit isn't really necessarily well, an option mm. there. I mean, the music guys were sneered upon, but they had something. They uh, had something. They had some quality. Yeah, yeah. At uh, my brother's all boys school, it was that if you were in music or drama, you got to do productions with the girls' schools. Okay, asset. So actually, yeah. there was a real. Compared to sport, there was a real upside to yeah. being an arty boy. Yeah. Uh, but All of a sudden, these like people playing Aussie rules are actually going. You know what? Actually, I'm. I'm kind of think this is my year for Hamlet. You know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and uh, I was talking to another guy the other day who went to an all boys school until the final year of 
high school when they brought girls into this yeah. school and he said it was just the first three months of that year were a dead loss yeah. for all the boys. Yeah. Which I think is rough. Yeah, I mean, that's... that's the school should surely have seen that that's a thing. A terrible idea. Like, I think the worst time... like So A between 16 and 18, it's A-levels. Mm. Traditionally, it was A-levels that we had here. Between 16 and 18 is the worst time to be taking the most exif- difficult exams and study that you'll ever do in your life. Um, yeah. Because, I, you know, I, I hit 16, I did that okay enough in my GCSEs. I did dreadfully in my A-levels because I looked old enough to get into to bars and and there were girls and there were just friends and there was like learning to drive and I was like, it's, that's a really bad time to schedule life-changing exams. Yeah, it's a terrible for, or, okay, idea. Uh, if you, unless you have amazing self-discipline that many 16, 17-year-old people don't have. It's, yeah. it's just a killer for you. Yeah, I, I think that you are almost at your most rational when you're like 10 or 11. Yeah. For the rest of your life, things get more complicated. So I think, I think maybe you should do some exams at 10 or 11 and then just... <laughs> and that's it, you're judged from that. No, you you no, enter no. the world of employment as an 18-year-old based on your 11-year-old yeah, exams. Yeah, and then yeah, just a little bit plus. more free reign until you hit your 20s and start yeah. to settle down. Yeah. I think that's a. I think that's an excellent idea. Let's restructure the world. Yeah, totally. Like gen, genuinely, just just spend. Like obviously, you know, learn. Just, just like lay off the. This exam will determine if you become a, a high flyer or not. At Eighteen. Just don't do it. Just go on a hunch at eleven. Yeah, but I mean, it's as likely to be. I mean, I, I think the thing was, I, it was very damaging for people who went to kind of these high achiever schools. I went to a selective school. And there were so many girls who just got completely mental as a result of that pressure at that age. Yeah, you know, yeah. They're not built for that pressure. Yeah. They're not built for dealing with, you know, their own kind of growing personhood and yeah. this idea, you know. I remember a girl just weeping because she got 98 in a maths exam. <laughs> oh, like my this gosh. This kind yeah, of yeah, thing yeah. of just you have no perspective on the world. You're incapable of really understanding mm. How much then the implications did you, of it. Was it important to you then? Like how important was it to you when you were sort of studying at 16 to 18? I was... I had mum being okay. sick, which I think gave me a little bit more perspective. Okay. But also, uh, I was not popular at school, so I spent okay. a lot of time skipping class to okay. go to the library and okay. read novels. Which ultimately, like, if you're going to skip class... That's that's one of the better things to skip class for. Yeah. You know, to skip class and like go and smoke meth in the park <laughs> is like a much worse use of your time. I didn't have enough friends to okay. oh, smoke dear. meth. No, no, that was just me d- deliberately playing on your sympathies. <laughs> I I think it was not a bad way to cope with that. In terms yeah. of self medication, mm. reading bad fantasy novels is bad genuinely okay. yeah. an addiction of mine, but it is yeah. better than many other addictions. Mm. I like a bit of fantasy. It's um, it's like I think I think for me the best like literature for me like, I like to read um, non-fiction, fantasy, then short, gritty, earthy, like r- super realistic, like, and I think like, the combination of those three things I think gives me like and literally bounces so I could go from like um, I don't know like a, a biography of some political figure into some ludicrous you know sci-fi or fantasy novel into 
you know, a, 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 a gritty uh, fiction on the streets of Northern Ireland. Oh, nice. And then back around again. I think that to me is the perfect way <laughs> to do all your books. If you only did fantasy. No, you lose perspective yeah. completely. Yeah. It ruins everything. Yeah, I think I'm going to try this year to read fewer online articles. That's one of the things that I'd like to do. Why? Because I don't... There's a there's quite a good um, app that you can get that tells you where you're reading in terms of left to right, where your oh. where your inclinations fall, how oh, often. Horrifying. Yeah, but also just eat those kind of small articles, listicles, mm. all of that kind yeah. of thing. I think they just fill up your time and brain, and don't necessarily give you information that you retain. Mm. Uh, so I'm going to try and read fewer of them and more actual books. Yeah, I think instinctively, screen reading, I don't pay as much attention to reading on a screen as I do on a page. Uh, so I don't have an e-book, so I don't know if that would be the same if I started to read on a Kindle or whatever, but there's, there's something about the throwaway nature of the internet. I, mean, I, I know for a fact I just do not... Like, if I was to get like a, a newspaper and that equivalent newspaper online i'd read the newspaper article just much more in depth just there's something about it that yeah in terms of retaining information certainly when i read a book i'll remember where on a page and where in the book Mm. in the thickness of the book and on the left hand side up the top or wherever i I remember it in a more geographic Mm. way Yeah, yeah yeah whereas with the internet i'll sort of remember maybe where the source was where to where to look generally Mm but I won't have such a strong sense of where the actual thing I'm looking for yeah. is. Yeah. Um, I, I would like to read more on the internet. Ah, uh, interesting. Yeah. I just, like, I'd like to, I'd like to, there is, there is, there's a lot of stuff out there and I'm, I find myself constantly bookmarking articles that seem really good and I subscribe to a lot of emails that have like a digest and this is why I'm like to go back to what you said I'm horrified as to what they might say about me but um, so you know I, I get these sort of digest emails saying you know you should read this and some some of these emails I get tell me it's like a three minute read or a five minute read or an 18 minute read and I I don't I don't read not, I, I, all too often you know I mark the emails unread and I come back and I see there's one like one of these emails is one that's unread from a month ago and I finally delete it and I'm like but there would have been something really good there but I just never had the time to do it and I feel like I'm missing out like what if I just found the 18 minutes to read that article would my life be better now no is the answer is it oh god okay or maybe it, I don't know are you a self-helpy type person no no I'm not but um uh I'm not. I'm not saying I'm. I, I like. I like to. I like a nugget. Whatever. Whatever the genre is, you know, whether it's whether it's an article about crime statistics or about sport or you know something completely different. I, I like. I love taking home a little bit of something that I can pass off as my own belief. Yeah, maybe I don't want to read fewer articles. Maybe I just want to do something with the articles I read. Maybe mm. I should just have a notebook and when I read an article, pull something out of it so that mm. I feel like it's served a purpose other than <laughs> to waste my time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe there's... I think, yeah, it's the end game. Like, what's the, what, is, what, what is the point in investing yourself in that online article? Yeah, I took two years off reading the news... Uh, before I started doing news satire as a job. (laughs) (laughs) And life was a lot easier, a lot more pleasant. Yeah, I bet. There's a lot of things that happen in the news that don't directly affect you. 
and I guess there are things that do directly affect you that you should be doing something about mm. that you don't and mm. then feel guilty about. And things that do directly affect you, maybe you can just find out about mm. them from other people. That it doesn't directly affect you, though. For me, I, so I hear that sort of comment, and I think that that's not a reason not to enjoy the news. So I, I love the narrative of some stories that ultimately are never going to have anything to do with me. Yep. Even, even, to, to a certain extent, even, even what's going on with the uh, the Trump Wolf book at the moment, it's 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 probably inconsequential. But I love the narrative of it unfolding. I love I love reading about it, and it's it's ultimately it's tittle tattle. You know, it's it's nonsense. It's like, but I but I'm to, I totally buy into it. And at the same time, I've got to say, even even you know. Um, crises in far-flung countries or really close-to-home stories that don't, geographically, that don't actually have any bearing on my life. I, I think that's the news I enjoy. more. The news that directly affects me, that's the stuff that shits me up really bad and that's, that's the stuff I need to get away from. Reading like, a story about how... Um, so the further away it is, the more it feels almost like a fiction, narrative fiction. Yeah. And the fact that this news is... The fact that it is true is important... But, um, but yeah, I get, I, I guess you know the en- enjoyment. It sounds like a really awful word to, to, to use for it, but um, it's. I mean, it is entertainment. It's an industry, yeah. so it has to be at least at some in some way mm. enjoyable, if yeah. not pleasurable, at least give you some sense of satisfaction. Mm. Or it's definitely something to talk about in the pub later, isn't it? Yeah, I think the thing that taking two years off reading the news did for me was make me more aware of it as a narrative. Mm. So thinking about why people have chosen certain stories, why certain stories appear mm. and where they appear. Are they on the front page where, where, or are they buried somewhere? How, they ele- how they're played out, whose side the news is on because as much as you'd like to say that they're all, you know balanced and everything they're not like what what perspective are they presenting what 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 argument are they trying to make with this series of news stories i'm i'm more interested in why the news than what's in the news as it were yeah even like so even the um the stable genius quotes you could see that the news was not independent do you want to contextualize that in case anyone who listens to this podcast doesn't follow the news of course so um donald trump was a basically accused in this this new book that's, is it called the fire and the fury that's come out he was accused of being um basically lacking uh mental stability and not being particularly bright i think uh, t- to summarize briefly and yeah so the book is 200 interviews with him and his kind of he's in cronies a circle. and in a yeah. circle and over a longer period of time and apparently people around him are concerned for his mental health hmm. and and he 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 tweeted a retort to this a bizarrely worded retort where I think a lot of people's big take home from it was that he was actually a I think he you know I don't have in front of me I think he actually described himself as a stable genius and um, that's a um, that's a really quite incredible thing for someone to say yeah and it's a very American thing I think to say and he is sort of the concretization of the psyche of the underbelly of America in many ways. One of the things that shocked me when I was in New York was the number of people who told me who they were and what they were very early on in a conversation. Like within five minutes of meeting them, they'd say, I'm a very compassionate person. Right, yeah. And you'd be like, why? Yeah, just in case you were doubting. Yeah, why would you tell me that about you? But 
yes, it was a very oddly worded thing and also the kind of thing that you would think a politician wouldn't have to say. No. Or wouldn't choose Twitter to say. No. Um, so, I, but I, you know, I loved reading that. It was like, it was a, a quite fantastic... I can't remember where we'll go. What, what was the point I was making about the fire review? I can't remember now. The... That you enjoy reading the ne- the stories, you enjoy following the stories through yeah. the news, and it and it, it, but it is it is um, there's just like I wouldn't it, it that is not that book is not going to bring him down. Other other things may or may not, but but that is like so much more palatable than reading about I don't know um, what, the actual human story of people put into. Uh, poverty by him repealing a tax law or a healthcare law that that that's the stuff that shits me up yeah more even though that doesn't directly affect me um but that 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 horrifies me and it's the same story it's the same person yeah. doing the same mad shit but but one is in this sort of pleasantly intellectual airy space of mm. oh this man's an idiot blah 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 yeah and then you don't have to really contemplate mm the impact that he's having on people's mm. lives. Just the way he, I guess, you know, I guess it goes back to the early on about people accepting that I'm, like I'm saying, I can be a bit of a twat. And sometimes, um, like he makes statements that are almost like me when I've got my tongue slightly in cheek, but he's actually, he's actually really saying it. Like there was, um, so Rand Paul, who's a leading politician, tweeted about a bill he was going to introduce to cut funding to Pakistan, one of the poorest countries in the world. And Trump quote retweeted it, bragging about how good a thing it was. And again, I was thinking, so you can see at one level, the rhetoric might be important to cut corruption in a country that's uh, partnership with the US could be questioned. Yeah. At the other end of the scale, how many people are going to like not get access to water and die and be sick or, you know, basically not get the opportunity in life that not cutting that funding would have cut? And... So one thing is like, great, you know, you, you have to do, do your statesman. I, I appreciate sometimes you have to make deals and bargain. But to brag on Twitter like that, it's just, it's, such, it's so weird. It is weird. I think it, it's, as a cultural movement towards like greater access toward like breaking down these barriers it's a function of like in a really broad sense like post postmodernism mm. the idea that high culture and low culture and class lines should be disintegrated and that they, these things should were all more or less the same mm. except for what we believed about them and that we should stop believing those mm. things about them that was kind of the movement of postmodernism because okay. there's no absolute Good or bad, yeah. there's you know, it depends on your perspective and your experience. No, I love a grey line, <laughs> yeah, which is a really useful and interesting way to think about the world, but but it takes away your ability to really argue that this is a man who should be more dignified than this, <laughs> that Twitter is not a tool that he should be using, that he should, if he wants to make a statement, make it through these channels. All of that stuff's been broken down and he's taking full advantage of that breakdown of, of cultural lines. Like, he's the ultimate, like, low-class rich guy. Like, he's he's very... Uh, in his tastes, in his manner, all of that stuff. If you were, like, French aristocracy from the 1800s, he would seem like a, a monster, right? Yeah. But we don't have that anymore. We don't have the 
equipment culturally to say why he's like again to say low class is like a really judgmental thing to say. It's a really elitist thing to say. Well, yeah, but you say that, but he, but I think. You, you're not saying it's in the class system because he is the billionaire son of a billionaire who has had nothing but privileges. He's, 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 even when what, he has pitched himself as low class. Yeah. You know, in, in terms of, well, I think when you, when you say low class, you mean like undignified. You, yes. You're not talking about the class, like, you know, as a, as, a, as a working man, or as a middle class man, aren't you? Yeah, no, what I'm talking about is that, is that among all of the terrible things that the class system did, it also carried with it certain reciprocal obligations mm. that if, you know, and of course many people abuse their power horrifyingly and, and how many of those abuse their power, I don't know, uh, in the French Revolution enough to cause a revolution. Mm. Uh, but the idea that you, as somebody who had wealth or privilege or a title... Mm had to behave in a certain yeah. way, had to uphold certain standards, that that part of sneering at the lower classes was that you felt yourself to be better than them, but that was also an, an obligation to uphold a standard of behaviour that was better. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's... You weren't, weren't you led to believe that you directly descended from God? Yeah, things all, like that. So, 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 you know, if you, if you, if you genuinely hold that belief, you ain't going to be... Yeah, you're not you know, going to be you, shitting in the if street. If you believe your own height, then... Yeah, yeah. So for for a system that had, you know, so many horrendous things about it and so many downsides, there's that thread that I find appealing in it, the idea mm. that you owe it to yourself and to other people mm. to behave well. Yeah. Like pride, there was a pride in that, in the right things, rather yeah. than in just being rich. But So, so, so he, he wasn't... The- Unlike so any of his predecessors, he wasn't a politician before. He's not someone who did thirty years of Congress or local politics or whatever. He was he's a, a businessman and entertainer. That, that was that's his that was his job. Yeah, as an entertainer yourself or as someone who you know follows a lot of entertainers, would if you all of a sudden had this ludicrous whirlwind of two years where you went from joking about promoting an autobiography by running for president and then becoming the leader of the free world. Would you come off Twitter and... Like, you, you personally, yeah? Me would, personally. Yeah, so you personally are. So in two years' time, when you've become leader of the free world... Yeah. Have you stopped tweeting? Are you, are you, are you, are you, or, or do you think... Do you think... I oh, know, because I'm not like him, I can trust myself not to be like that. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I hadn't thought about that. I think... I would like to think that I would have the self-awareness to... <laughs> Uh, decline the role and if I didn't then I would probably not read Twitter I might use it as so as I do now I tend to use it more as an out pipe than an in pipe Mm -hmm. like I'll tend to use it to promote things or if I have a joke I'll put I try to keep the, the ratio of reading to producing quite high yeah so you you do think that you'd make an editorial decision to... You trust yourself that you wouldn't all of a sudden with this enormous new audience. You trust yourself that you wouldn't engage with them in a comparable way to how you do now, even if that is more out than in. I would say of... uh, Of all of the irritations that happen online, I would only 
respond to maybe one in 20 or one in 30. Okay. Irritations or anything, sorry. Just when I, when when stuff happens online okay. that annoys me. Okay. And is directed at me, so mm. people who come at me from wherever it is. And the most annoying one is where they've assumed you've done something without actually having engaged with your work. Right. Yeah, yeah. And they come at you for doing this thing that you didn't do. Yeah. And your immediate urge is to go, but I didn't, yeah, you yeah. know, to try and correct them or clarify. Yeah. And, and, and that's, you know, that's a mm. human urge mm. if someone's got you wrong to try and prove to them that they're wrong about you. It's extremely difficult to go... I don't care what you think. My job is to care what people think yeah. and to manage my um, ugh, brand image, you know, whatever it is, to manage the way people see me. That's the whole process of comedy is controlling expectations and managing p- how people perceive you. Yeah. It's extremely difficult to go, that person doesn't matter. <laughs> but I think I succeed okay. more often than not. I am, have you ever really have you ever uh, got into a proper conversation with a troll where maybe they've been a bit rude but you've actually fought to make it a conversation have you ever like bothered enough I'll do it often um, well, not often when I do it it is often with other people's trolls <coughs> oh okay yeah yeah that's quite yeah, yeah I think I, I've, I've done but then I, again I get a bit worried about that because so I have done it but I sometimes think you know if, if that was the real world, and I guess part of me thinks, well, of course, if someone's being horrible to my friend next to me, then I would stick up for them. But then part of me thinks it's not, it's not my fight. And but that's why it's easier to do because it isn't your fight, mm. and you can see more clearly. You're not personally yeah. offended. You can see more clearly whatever the fallacy is mm. behind their accusation, and you can defend them in a way that defending yourself would just seem defensive. Yeah. Like if you know what I yeah. mean. If you go. So, for example, um, Al Murray, who's a Bugle guest and a lovely man and somewhat of a celebrity, was posting about the fact that not many girls do drumming. Yeah. And someone came out of the woodwork to say, well, women can make their own decisions. Are you saying that women can't make their own decisions? Basically a troll, somebody who wanted to characterise his feminist urge to uncover Mm. why there are fewer women in drumming. To he wanted to characterise that urge as an unfeminist mm. urge. And these are the arguments that happen in comedy mm. all the time. Mm. So, you know, why do women choose not to do comedy? Is it a natural biological lack of inclination towards it? Is it socialisation? Is it a toxic mix of the two? Is it dis- that they do try but they're discouraged in higher numbers? Is it that women are less brave than men? Yeah. Like All of these questions are worth asking and worth discussing. Mm. Um and this guy was kind of implying that the whole discussion was not worth having, that women yeah. women just don't like drumming and that, that, that you should accept that because yeah. otherwise it's patronising of you. And that was an argument that I stepped in on because I thought, well, I, I know this argument. Yeah. It's I don't have anything to do with drumming. I've never played the yeah, drums. Yeah, yeah. I had a... My brother's best friend in primary school was a drummer and she was a girl and she had a hard time because of it. And she still drums. So there are some women who kind of get over it. It's like that. Um, anyway, so I stepped in on that argument. Have you seen the new Dave Chappelle special? I haven't, no. There's a, there's a thing in it in which he talks about the Louis C.K. allegations. Okay. Uh, in which he says one of the women, talks about one of the women who claimed that Louis C.K. masturbated down a mm. phone line to her. Um, and it sort of says, 
if that broke your dream, your dream wasn't strong enough. And it's quite a controversial mm. joke of, you know, if Martin Luther... Mm. I, I think he says Martin Luther King, like if someone joked off at him and then he just gave up, like, this is... And it's a, it's a decent joke. It's been very, very controversial because obviously people are outraged. Yeah. I think it's a decent enough joke. I think the point, though is that you shouldn't have to be extraordinary to succeed. Yeah, you should just... So that, most people who succeed aren't. Yeah. Well, and that, that, that it's... For every woman who is turned away from drumming or mm. comedy or whatever it happens to be by mm. some sleazy sex pest, mm. uh, that's a loss mm. to yes. the number of women who are there. You want to hear from women who don't like being jerked off at as much as you want to hear from the women who can just brush it off. Mm. Um, and so for pioneers and people who are breaking into the industry, I grew up not really thinking of myself as a girl. I was a bit of a tomboy. Mm. So I, when I saw Monty Python, I thought, oh, I want to be like them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there are other girls who will look at that and see a group of men and go, oh, I wish I were a boy, but I'm not, so I'll do something else. Yeah, yeah. This, this is what scares me shitless as well about my daughter. And they're like, you know, there's, there's the whole thing, isn't it? Like, oh, men, they only really understand feminism when they have a daughter. <laughs> and, um, like, what I will... So, so that, that's not the case for me. But I tell you what, but... But it... Um, before I... Um, like, I didn't get quite as angry. I think it, I, I have to admit, I totally... The, never when I saw... Already at that age, like, you know, in, in the... Three and a half years that we've had her, I have seen so many things that really pissed me off. And I guess I never had the opportunity before I was a father of a daughter to be in a scenario that really, I guess there's been a couple of other times, but they were, they were a handful of times, but it's actually only when you have a little one you're, you're responsible for in front of you and you hear someone call them bossy. And I mean, that, that, I just makes my blood like even even just even just saying to you now I can almost not hold my microphone because my blood boils so much and I never had that passion before I actually was so you know I hear I hear on Twitter I've heard a lot of people call men out about saying oh yeah but you just put using your daughter as a context for understanding feminism is bullshit and actually yes but sometimes you need you need a personal experience to understand something as well look yeah I don't I don't get that trend to try to um, police your allies in that way. <laughs> like, at, at some point, I don't care if it's cool to like feminism or if you're supporting women just so that you can get laid or... <laughs> like, I, I'm happy to have you at least vaguely on my team. I don't think we're at the point yet where we can start getting picky about things like that. I don't know, but it, it does seem needless, that whole, well, you, you're a man, you can't yeah. have an opinion on this. I want everyone's opinion on things. Mm. I mean, I don't, want, I don't want a guy walking into a feminist space and going, shut up, everybody, listen <laughs> to me. Like, but that is not actually the majority of people. It's contextualising yeah. your experience of, you know, I used to be uh, an asshole and now I'm not because I've had these experiences. Mm. Right, an arsehole is an arsehole generally. I think, regardless of the experiences, I don't. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe you'll disagree with this. I don't know. I know people who have changed their views on certain things, but there's certain 
fundamental aspects like is someone an asshole or not I don't know many people who were assholes who are no longer assholes I really can't think of any, I can I know people who've done bad things and haven't done a bad thing since yeah. I know good people who have acted like assholes yeah. and I know assholes who have done good things but generally assholes are assholes that's an interesting principle. I'm not going to disagree with you because I haven't thought about it deeply, <laughs> but I'll accept that. On and I'm, pr- I'm I'm totally I'm totally prepared for you to go. No, I've got this friend, and he or she, will, I would never have considered a friend because of the way they used to behave before, and they are different. I'm I'm prepared for you, and I would believe you if you told me that was the case. I just haven't met someone like I'm that. I'm very bad at that. I'm I'm for somebody who has quite a long tether. I'm not great at rebuilding a friendship once it's gone down. Okay, yeah, yeah. Once somebody has done something that I... They're out. That kind of breaks that long tether. Yeah. I tend not to um, try to build it up again. And that's a flaw in me. It's a a flaw that's come from a good thing, Mm. which was there was not a lot of conflict in my home growing Mm. up. So I didn't really know that you could have friends that you fought with until I was in my 20s. So I just don't have that skill set of of some of forgiving the unforgivable yeah uh i try Mm. i'm trying more and more to do that of just to let things go like that yeah it's not natural really i don't think for many of us i so on i i fell out with a a troll i fell out with so there was someone who was clearly a, a a a, a very toxic lever online. And I got into, and I don't normally do this, but I did get into this conversation with them. When you say lever, you mean uh, so in this the is Brexit the, argument? It, it, Brexit, wanting yeah, the to Brexit leave referendum. The and it's not an opinion I hold. Um, uh, um, and I kept, what, what frustrated and I, I, I did manage to stop it being like the person, I, I would post a comment saying, Do you really think like, it's not really like this? And they post a gif back, like a mocking gif. I'd be like, no, no, can we, you know, like, let's talk about it. And, and finally I got to a, a point where I'd be like, and there, there, were two, there were two of them, one of them intermittently joining, one was, Gif Man was worse, but there was two, two of these guys, I was trying to have this, and I, 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 I probably was rude at some points, but, but not, not but was, was genuinely trying to have a conversation. To the point I'd be like, look, here's my idea, let's go to the pub. I promise, yeah, if you don't drink, we can have a soft drink. We can, you know, let's talk this out. Let's genuinely, I genuinely want to hear their view. And I couldn't, I just couldn't get them, I couldn't get them to come and join me in the, and I genuinely, I genuinely wanted to do it. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't just posturing and saying like, let's have this out man to man. Like you, you and me over a beer and we'll sort all our problems out. I, I, I genuinely was interested in what they had to say. I wasn't going to evangelise them. I wasn't going to try and change their opinion. The, the part of the, I'm, I'm from just outside East London, where, which is, you know, you, you sort of trip outside some corners of London. It's a very different place, and um, so I, I, I kind of I wasn't going to try to change them because I there's no point in even attempting. That. But I, I did want to talk to them. I did want to see why you could go on the internet and call someone a fucking this or a cunt and post pictures and and I, I did genuinely want to have that out. Not on the internet, but face-to-face. I think one of the things that you fundamentally understand there that um, is that you cannot have this kind of conversation without huge amount of effort um, where you're, you can't explore a conversation mm. on Twitter. You can't unpack something on Twitter mm. in the way that you can face-to-face. Yeah. It's that 
classic thing of not having all those little micro cues of expression and behaviour that remind you that the thing that you're talking to is a human. I th- assume it was a human, and that could have been part of the problem, that they were sat in some lab just outside Moscow. Yeah, but a robot. <laughs> they're just a robot trying to annoy you. <laughs> they worked. They did, did a good job. But that's the thing. That's what Donald Trump does not understand, that if you actually want to have a conversation, you need to have a conversation. I would go for a cup of tea with that guy. Yeah, sure. I would. Any time of day. I, ju- I think it'd be... I think it'd be... It'd probably be a wasted experience. Well, he probably wouldn't drink the tea because he's afraid of being poisoned. Oh, of course, he's a germaphobe and as everything, yeah. I'd go for McDonald's with him. Go for McDonald's go, with him. G- McDo- I mean, yeah, I, uh, or a KFC bargain bucket, I would embrace that. Um, um, if that's what it took. Here I am, sitting, sitting in a, a coffee shop in uh, London. So, yeah, I'd talk to the president, I guess, yeah. you know. And if, if he will come to my palace. Even if he paid my I flights. I should grant him an audience. Of course, Absolutely. He can come around my house. We've got a dishwasher. He's got dishwasher tablets. It's clean. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. You wipe everything down. We would. I'd get the cleaner in. It'd be brilliant. <laughs> All right, Donald Trump, if you're listening to this, have a cup of tea with uh, Chris Skinner. Yeah, you're invited. Uh, where, where can people find you online? Um, well, I'm at producer Chris on Twitter. If we fall out really badly, I probably will offer to buy you a drink. That's good. Um, the the um, Most of my public-facing work is done on The Bugle, which is thebuglepodcast.com. Uh, um, yeah, I think that's probably it. That's Come it. find me. I, I, I do. I would, I would like to. I do like talking to people on the internet. Talk to Chris on the internet. If <laughs> you have any child rearing advice to make his daughter less like him, uh, let us that know. That would be really appreciated. Thank genuinely. you so much for having a cup of tea with me. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. Well, tie our ends 
up we surely do for Elsie Thompson but not for you lolly rifles all lolly rifle day oh Elsie Thompson is going away is it tomorrow or yet today we'll tie our hands up and leave our frames and wait for Elsie to return again lolly rifles all lolly rifles Thank you.